Hey everybody, it's Michael Martin. Happy Monday. So keep in mind that asset allocation is important for both traders and investors. Uh, the larger of you out there certainly know this. You allocate money to your metals. You integrate uh, your asset allocation to, you know, dividing up your equity between what goes to equities, what might go to derivatives, what might go to futures, right? Even if you're not managing all of that money yourself, you know, you need to kind of look at that, get those rates of returns, and then back test what the blend will do for you so that you can hit your goals. Um, it's not uncommon for traders and commodity trading advisors alike to, you know, not just bifurcate their funds, but actually create a, a bit of a sector blend from like the softs to the grains to the financials to all of the, the sectors so that this way they don't run afoul and get too aggressive in any one particular area but also not be too conservative either because ultimately it's then the blend that gets you where you want to go you could also do it by strategy so for example a good example of this comes from the hedge fund world in what you call a 130-30 fund and, you know, this is obviously two different strategies operating at the same time in the same portfolio, 130 and 30. The 130 is the long portfolio. So we're obviously using leverage here. We're 130% invested. And against that, we're going to sell 30% short so that we're net 100 long. But having the short component takes a little sting out of the market when there is, you know, pullbacks like we've been experiencing in several names since, you know, the beginning of September, so to speak. And so there's benefits to doing that. Obviously, you're running two systems concurrently. One could be a trend-following model. Another one could be counter-trend, right? One that trades a little smaller, but on pullbacks. Counter-trend systems typically do trade smaller because they're not necessarily, because the the trend-following model would actually capture the downtrend, right? So counter-trend move is kind of more like how do you trade a reversal, short-term reversal, a pullback, this and that. So there's another example of how you can asset allocate within your overall portfolio. Now, again, this is a little tricky if your account is underfunded, right? Because you just don't have enough money. And this is always a sticking point because everyone will come back and say, you know, Richard Dennis started with 200 bucks, but the scenario for which, you know, the conditions with which he started were fantastically different from what you're doing. So you really can't compare a small dollar amount with what he was doing. In fact, it's so different, I'm not even going to get into comparing it because it's not worth my time. And two, you can't be Richard Dennis. You can be a good version of you, but... If your account is underfunded, I'm almost at the point where I'm, I'm advising people to not trade because what happens is it, be, it brings you into a bad spot to make lots of bad decisions. One, you can't afford to lose a lot of money, so you become hypervigilant about what you're doing. Two, you can't really buy a lot of, of shares, which you don't want to optimize anyway. But most people do because they're like, man, I can't buy two shares of Amazon. That's emasculating. How am I going to look my girlfriend in the eye and say that I own a whopping two shares? As opposed to thinking about the growth rate of the company, right? So 
then you're forced to buying lots of shares of small priced or penny stocks, which is obviously stupid as well. So then you micromanage the position and you, you become hypervigilant like the jealous boyfriend. Well, who are you talking to? Why were you late? How long were you? Did he ask you on a date? This and that. And that's not sexy either, right? So you don't want to get into doing these things if your account is underfunded because it brings you into a spot of making bad decisions around your money. So I would say pay off your credit card debt, especially if you're carrying balances that have 10 to 20% of cost to carry then gives you an effective rate of return of 20% over the course of the year. And it would be harder for you to get that as a first-year trader anyway. So if you have that kind of capital laying around, it's not what you want to hear, but pay off your debts. For those of you who follow this regularly, you're probably not in that situation anyway, but I put it out there just because you never really know who's listening. Um, you know, asset allocation could save you. The world's going to change a lot over the next, who knows, the next 10 years. You know, we have you know, lots of elections coming up in the U.S. You have Brexit. That seems like it's at yet another stage of nearing completion. We don't know how that's going to play out. And we have a whole slew of things going on around the world. You know, what kind of economic gain is going to be created by more of these peace arrangements in and around the Middle East that involve, you know, the ones that started with the UAE and Israel, right? And so we also have what's happening. I think Spain went down to, you know, a big old lockdown the past few days here where you can barely travel to the next town. So all of this is eventually going to shake out in some way, shape, or form, lest we forget that we're in a zero interest rate environment and the currency markets are largely event-driven now. There's no carry. So as you can imagine, all of this stuff can not necessarily be cured, but can be hedged on some level through asset allocation and diversification. What happens here with these... You know, every generation will talk about unprecedented stuff, right? But in a lot of ways, history rhymes. And so when you think about it, the only thing that you can do is really change your allocation to the point where any one sector goes against you. You can't get really killed. But you have to be careful because correlation might not show up until a future date. And we just don't know. Well, we do know that when bad news hits the tape, everything tends to go against you. <laughs> right? Bad news, bang, people just sell. They go to cash. And if you're a long-only player, you know, you might look into diversification. You might look into non-correlated asset classes, real estate, commodity futures. You might look into hedging, right? You might look into long-short just to take some of the sting out, right? Because again, your main job is to play superior defense. Most clients are going to come to the marketplace with dollar signs in their eyes about what they can do. But you have to be the voice of reason and talk them off the ledge. And certainly don't get them to cannonball into any one particular thing, especially since we don't know what the global pandemic is going to do to certain businesses. It might make sense to have things that are liquid. That means no structured products. That means no, you know, lockup periods, right? My advice would be to stay liquid until we have more information. Um, that might mean opportunity cost, but, you know, try to talk to somebody who's asset rich and cash poor. How does that feel? So the lesson here is, you know, if you have to commit money, 
because you're on a mandate or you have an investment policy statement. I get it. But, you know, prudence here also, you know, you need to speak about diversification. You also need to talk about liquidity um, because we just don't know how, how the markets are going to shake out at any given time. Anyway, if you'd like a copy of the Inner Voice of Trading audiobook, you can get it at Martin Chronicle. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next episode.